0: Welcome to The Darkened Hour.
1: Welcome to The Darkened Hour. I'm your host, Adam Fitzgerald. And with me today is a very special guest and somebody who I uh, should have interviewed a long time ago, but I think at this moment in time, just right near or right after the September 11th attacks, he's the perfect person to interview somebody who I um, absolutely respect and I consider uh, probably the most informative, most knowledgeable person on the subject I've ever come across. His name is Nelson Martins. He also goes by the name DJ Thermal Detonator, which is a, uh, a character from Star Wars. He's also a, uh, uh, a director of many full-length films, including 677, on the Dulles Airport cover-up, Explosives on George Washington Bridge, Truth or Fiction. Uh, World Trade Center bombing of 1993, Hidden path to 9-11. Probably my favorite of them all, not because I was partially narrating it, uh, but because of the amount of information from there. And of course, uh, Inconvenient 9-11 Truth and the thwarted hijackings of 9-11 and 9-13. He runs a blog as well, 9-11 Skeptics versus Truth. And he was also an original member of Wackler, from two thousand and eight, and he was also one of its final organi- organizers on there historian analyzer Nelson Martins, thank you for coming on.
0: Thank you for having me, and thank you for the introduction Adam
1: uh, yeah, no problem. I mean, this is going to be a fluid conversation because you're probably the only person that i uh, that I know that can that knows about the information regarding a lot of these subjects that are linked to 9 eleven. And can expound on these subjects, but we'll keep it simple right off the bat. Um, why September 11, thousand one? what gave you the motivation or general interest in the subject and when?
0: Um, you know it was kind of hard it's kind of hard to tell because it's like you know I watched the, you know I watched the news just like everyone else did. you know, I watched the first day um but i wasn't stuck in a home i was moving around a bit but you know when i finally got around to seeing the buildings come down and just everything in shock in la just just kind of like people were nobody was driving for a while and you know the following day itself just uh, you know seeing all the people looking for their loved ones you know just the grieving factor that you just knew those people weren't gonna find you know just getting emotionally attached just like everyone else did but you know uh i i you know i didn't get to pay attention to too much of the news also afterwards because i had a lot of things going on i was in a transition of getting a new job at amoeba music and uh you know moving to la and uh you know i just kind of you know saw you know i just paid attention to everything i knew things weren't making sense when we were talking about going into iraq in 2002 and you know i i had a few people kind of like you know there were they, 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 you know even like a a landlord of mine mm-hmm. in hollywood who was you know his name was jay and he was pointing out you know all these theories about the oil you know that you know the iraq's had all this oil forever you know so I saw things pretty much from there, but, you know, I would say by 2004, uh, you know, Fahrenheit 9 probably, Michael Moore's Fahrenheit nine eleven probably, you know, got me really pissed, really pissed off just to kind of pay attention to what was going on because of, you know, seeing what's at hand and all the, all the things that were put in place with the Patriot Act. So I had a little bit of concern, you know, about, you know, our liberties and our freedoms, obviously, you know, and even for myself, uh, you know, as, as a DJ and somebody who was a booking artist, you know, it became a hard thing with people traveling in for foreigners coming into the country mm. because you were having all these problems with uh, getting a work visa to, to to perform or, you know, entertain. And we had even, you know, there were, there were tours canceled with certain people since the Patriot Act was put into place. Because there were, you know, dark people, you know, people into dark culture, you know, in Europe, and they're traveling over, and you know, they're just getting profiled by the TSA, so on, and you know, I saw, I saw, you know, I saw all that affecting us, you know, greatly. But you know, by the time you know, I lost my job in two thousand seven, you know, there came the film Lose Change, and you know, the second edition. Um, the second version of the film uh there i just became pissed off i mean i was just i was just angry i you know i you know, I, you, know the, you know the most angriest part i was you know was upset was what 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 you know what i thought happened with the world trade center not so much of everything else with the planes you know i was still kind of up in the air but of course i entertained some of these you know no hijacker no no plane theories particularly with the pentagon right um But, you know, from there, you know, I just got, I got upset. And, you know, when I got into being into 9-11 still to do something about from what I've seen in these films, because even Zeitgeist, uh, the first one also, uh, by 2008, when, or I would say maybe even late early, no, late 2007, when I, when I discovered Ron Paul, then the campaign trail in 2008, I got, you know, kind of involved with that. Know, to try to network and meet other conspiracy theorists that you know, uh, you know, that had interest with you know 9 11, even though I wasn't looking for the actual people who just conspiracy theorists, I was looking for people that you know, I knew there had to be people like that, you know. Right. Then eventually, I came across Alex Jones, and uh, you know, when Ron Paul's election pretty much ended, I just started following that. I started following uh, you know, Alex Jones regularly. I mean, there are probably even one year I probably didn't even miss a show (laughs) I was listening to talk radio all on you know I was listening to GCN so you know I thought I was doing my 9-11 research by that you know aside you know really really reading into other blogs really you know even reading the Commission report you know which something not even truthers even do anyways but you know I I didn't you know I didn't bother other than that other than f- film collecting that was a thing i was definitely looking for the hard copies on dvds i wasn't really good on the computer i couldn't i couldn't uh you know i didn't really download i never did torrents i never did any of that stuff you know and, you know at the same time we're we're seeing the youtube age start you know there's google videos the dominant one at first and then until google ends up buying youtube and then you know all that kind of all that kind of happens but Uh, You know, to becoming a a researcher or a filmmaker, at least, because um, because I was doing the more doing films before I was ever writing. I think by the time I started to, you know, see this stuff with the dancing Israelis, you know, and then, you know, spending some time researching Israel, researching even Judaism, you know, that's what I was just like, man something's going on here we're being we're being bs because i mean i, I was definitely in the, at, at odds with uh all these uh, you know the, all these fantastical theories of the just the the u.s government doing it alone and that there were not going to be no hijackers or arabs involved you know so you know you know eventually I you know i ran into ryan dawson's films i think i ran into ryan dawson actually his films in 2010 but i was already friended with him on myspace for some reason because uh, back during then before everyone moved on to facebook uh you know i added a lot of the uh you know a lot of all the prominent uh, 9-11 truth researchers groups anything that was on my space then so i already had dawson on there i ironically but i didn't even know he was a researcher that i you know i just I, you know I, I noticed his other separate profile for uh uh anti-neocons.com so you know when i came across you know war by deception and especially seeing all those reports with the with the uh, George Washington Bridge and all that, um, I became even more pissed because you know he obviously puts it in there as another Israeli moving vehicle. Well, long story short, uh, you know I saw what he did with his film. I didn't like what what he did with it because you know there was a lot of other pro, other other good films to sample from and the the production quality wasn't that great so i decided to sample and experiment with his good parts of his films and uh mix it in with some of the proper documentaries that were already out there and that's what became an inconvenient 9-11 truth the film which is the first film i did and i've done three or four versions of it but you know um over time, you know, still in doubt, still still on the fence, I would say, with the hijacker thing, when I did Incomenia 9-11 Truth, I didn't, address the, you know, I didn't address Flight 77 or the Pentagon. I was going to originally save that for later for the third part of the film after I got past the 1993 bombing, which I started to do really good research on, thanks to Michael Collins Piper. Then I started, by, by 2015, I started reading his books and all that. But then th- what we're... Dawson really um, really uh, changed the tune for me I really where I realized that I needed to really make a position about the, you know about the hijackings is when he told me about flight 93 and uh, and uh, Shanksville uh, well, crash over Pennsylvania and uh, noticing the anomalies with the phone calls stating that there were three hijackers uh, you know uh, knives b- bombs one of the calls even says, dark-skinned males, and then with the transponder uh, basically detailing that the person, the hijacking pilot who took over, was going by the name of Saeed, which would have been Saeed al-Ghamdi, not Zayed al-Jar, the Lebanese, while the other three were Saudi Arabian out of the four pilots for that that plane. Then having to discover that Zayed jar the Lebanese hijacker, had a cousin who was a twenty-five year long Mossad spy. Uh, you know, it made you kind of realize. Well, you know, did this guy was this guy really on the plane? Um, because you know, especially if he had that much Western intel, you know, background. You know, could he have been? Could he have committed pseudo suicide, not suicide, pseudo suicide? Um, yeah. Then I start, You know, and then you start to realize that you know all these phone calls, all everything is real. It, you know, you, you know. Uh, It's not this swap over theories. There's no, it's not any of that. So, you know, the the idea that the planes were, you know, landed at a different, you know, base. And, you know, so by that time, when I just started to discover this, this is when I started to write. (laughs) This is where I could say I really started to get into 9-11. Really, I mean, yeah, you're talking seven or eight year period of just being the street activist truther who's just passing out information that you think, you know, the research is being done. No, now I started to do the research when when Ed Brotherton told me, look, start a WordPress blog, you know, start writing, you know, what what else has been missing and not being talked about. And I did. And, you know, that's in combination of making new films, you know, yeah, I've started to write more articles and I've been an actual independent investigator looking at anomalies, you know, uh, looking at the official story is a bigger cover up than just looking at the Wimp twin towers coming down. You know, it, it was a huge operation. It is huge. And, you know, and I, uh, I worry about a, such a thing happening again, even if it's generations down the, down the line, right. you know. But, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's my road how I got into <laughs> That's 11
1: That's basically uh, uh, almost similar to my uh, ascension into the subject. Um, but you've had a lot more experience behind you. Um, and what makes it more valuable is that you were actually um, on the other side of the fence, so to speak, in regards to the truth movement. Uh, you met many prominent truthers out West. In fact, um, you were actually in commiser- commiserating with uh, members of the CIT team. That's Aldo Marquis and Craig Ranke. And, you yeah. act- and could you just expound on that a little bit?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, as far as prominent researchers, I mean I know Richard Gage. He knows me. I'd been over his house twice when he lived in Northern California. Right. You know, I was helping to I was helping to uh you know, promote uh, the DVD at the time, you know, or or the all the flyers and the brochures and stuff. You know, and you know, they even had one time invited me to be more on their team as far as even just to do you know, regular, you know, work with the company, but, I, you know, I wasn't really interested. I thought, no. you know, the local chapter of We Are Change LA, WACLA, uh, you know, uh, I thought that was important because there just needed to be other things that needed to be addressed. And, you know, I thought it was more functional, more more, uh, more that I had more to contribute as a street activist there than just working straight for that organization, you know? So
1: you, you, you actually, this uh, street activism, which I uh, you persuaded me on, uh, which I think is the most important uh, thing that any researcher could do instead of just sitting behind the computer and being online, um, and there's
0: very few. Um, why do you think that is? I think because they're just virtually scared because unfortunately there are different reactions people see with these conspiracy theories, whether they believe them all the way or not, you know, it's like if you see, you know, loose change, and you believe that the government faked a, faked a uh, plane crash and made mm. all this uh, deceptions. Mm. Well, if the government's, you know, big enough to do that, you know, you know, they're they're monitoring us. You know, it's the same people who think they have they are monitored because they've been, because you know, they watched the film Loose Change or they looked at a blog or website. You know, yeah. and and the, the the ironic thing is is the funny thing is is that person like christopher Bolin, which i despise (laughs) because he purports these theories anyways i've saw when he came first came to la in 2014 we actually promoted his first speaking engagement here you know he even made that point you know like why you know why don't we have more people to show up to you know mark gatherings and all that and he said the same thing because they think they're being monitored and all that you know well well Bolin. Why are you putting that narrative out there? You know, and especially if you're just going to point an Israeli conspiracy, right. you know, why do you have this really sensational, you know, U.S. military industrial complex theory? You know, you've been wrong about the Pentagon and flight 77. You're definitely wrong about, you know, flight 93 that it crashed elsewhere and some other plane crash in Shanksville. And you're definitely wrong about the plane, uh, about, about suggesting that it was different planes that hit the Twin Towers, you know, even looking at the at the closeness of the planes hitting this you know hitting the buildings and you know wondering what kind of sparks it's making, hey you're not certain it's those hijacked planes, but the dancing Israelis were right. <laughs> what's yeah. wrong with you? <laughs> the dancing Israelis knew what was going what what planes it was it was they knew they knew they were they were in communications they knew when it was about to depart Boston Logan, and I have a good reason to suspect that which you know, which is entitled, which is in my films. It has to do with more other moving vans that were actually in the same state at the same time. But, you know, never mind all that because Bolin's never read any of that stuff. So, you know, he, um, you know, that is, point being is that's, that's the reason why you don't get enough people is because, yeah, they're scared shitless. They really think, you know, they really think that, you know, that in this huge monolithic conspiracy.
1: Yeah.
0: And basically, you
1: uh, concentrate, like me, you basically on the geopolitical aspects of 9-11, which is a very expansive, uh, uh, broader view of 9-11, instead of just looking at it from a, like say, a physics point of view, or just Israel, or just Saudi Arabia. You tend to expand on all of these issues, and which often comes into conflict with certain movements and certain groups, um, and I would like to talk to you about this. One of those periods you concentrate on is something that most people, even for those seasoned uh, people who are interested in 9/11, never bring up, and that 's the 1993 World Trade Center. Um, how is this a a direct, uh, a direct affiliation with 2001 terrorist attacks?
0: Well, it's a direct affiliation just by looking at the masterminds, regardless if there's, if, if, there's, if there's cover-ups. You just look at the fact of, okay, KSM is ultimately the mastermind. okay there isn't as much evidence on Osama bin Laden. They don't have enough evidence left over from the hijackers' trails, but they know from affiliations and you know or at least with um, Ramzi bin Z- Ben al-sheeb. You know, there's there's a connection there. You know, <laughs> yeah. and then you look to 1993 and you see KSM's nephew, uh, uh, Ramzi Youssef, who is you know involved in that conspiracy. And you know, th- you know, it it comes straight from looking at the Arab cells. You know, people want to look for the Mossad, they want to look for the intelligence agencies and all that. It's not going to be simple of finding them. You know, in in a in a uh, straight jacket with you know microphone or, I mean, I a mean, uh, radio, you know, uh, uh, talking and communicating. No, it's, you know, it's real. It's going to be real Arabs, real assets that have their own, have their own agendas, overlapping agendas that even coalesce with Israel, ironically, even if they are people that even demonize, demonize and, you know, that are uh, anti-Semitic or whatever. They have, they have tabs on these people, you know. So, that's not, that's not where you're going to find the conspiracy. You have to look at the actual, you know, the, the Arab suspects and who else wasn't accounted for, (laughs) you know? Right.
1: The, now, of course, uh, this is something that you also uh, detail in a couple of your films and reading material. Um, We see this interesting lead up in regards to uh, as I would call revolutionary terrorism. And we, we both know who we're talking about when it regards to the godfather of terrorism in Abu Nadal. Now, you're the only person that I know of, um, I, that I've seen from my experience that ever talks about um, Abu Nadal. Now, there's a direct link uh, that may be not as direct to the 9-11 attacks. But we're still working on that in regards to the Jara family and regards to the Lockerbie bombing because the name of the operation was Operation Jara. So, is this, well, like, as I would say, the way there's smoke, there's fire. In regards to revolutionary terrorism, we see, like, this evolution of terrorism attacking inside uh, the airports with with the A&O group, the Fata, mm-hmm. the organization Fata, in which uh, that Nadal ha- helped create. A revolutionary
0: um, council. Right, Don't
1: okay, rev- right, or revolutionary. Can Thank you for the correction. Um, and then we see, and almost like this jump from attacking people inside an airport to attacking the airport themselves, like planting bombs. This comes from Ramzi Youssef, uh, the Balochistan clan of Ramzi Youssef and Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. And then from there, we see the evolution of using the actual plane as the weapon. And you bring up uh, one of the very few people like yourself, and uh, I'll even mention Tom Secker, who actually brings up the bajinka plot. But you go into much more further detail. Can you give um, just a general description, a general background regarding um, the Bajinka plot itself and
0: how important that was? Um, as far as, as in the 90s or anything before, I mean, just, just, just that, just that? Yeah, just a bit. Just a, why, why was, why, because a lot of people make this mistake, and we come across,
1: it, me and you, uh, on a daily yeah. basis almost, yeah. where the truth movement actually likes to bring up Operation Northwoods. Yes, yeah yeah absolutely, absolutely. By, but but absolutely. It's the, I I think they're making the mistake and the mistake I'm saying is that the the blueprint for 9/11 when
0: you used to play with came from the Bajica plot. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Now as far as the Bajinka plot goes, the the uh, the uh apartment fire in the Philippines um where Hakim Murad um I forget Ali Waman, a common I can't, I have four names I can't remember. Oh, what what Walid Ali Shah. Yeah, yeah, Shah. W- yeah, and then don't forget, and then, we, you know, and then the one that they don't—it's not mentioned in all documentaries, but it's—but it's in some. KSN was also there. That's right. So, so, um, yeah, there. You know, it's this plan to, you know, that 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 generates into three phases. The first phase had to do with assassinating the pope while he was in the Philippines, and this was in an apartment fire uh, that uh, apartment that Ramsey was renting at the time. I think it was with Haki Murat. Yes but the second phase of the plan also found on the laptop by the authorities in the philippines there um then talked about uh putting bombing 12 planes now at the same time planes that were going to be flying either from from asia or even the west coast i even maybe even some from the east coast but to blow them up simultaneously at the same time over the pacific ocean mainly but then the third phase turned into making him kamikazes, hijacking them and crashing them. And, you know, I know, and I'm not going to say I believe, I know the 9-11 attacks were just the continuation and the, just even greater than the Bojinka plot. If we're just going to t- look at Bojinka as a big attack because it means big bang. So, you know, just look at Bojinka as an agenda, can get the big, the big attack on the US, you know? And when we look at numbers and when it's saying 12 planes, well, I can tell you and, you know, for even, even showing within my other film that the 9-11 attacks were going to be greater. It wasn't just the three airports and the four planes. There were still extra planes at those same airports and several other airports throughout the East Coast that were tons of reports of weapons either weapons found uh mysterious middle eastern men fleeing uh the airport you know uh or just outright even using the language (laughs) to to hijack a plane on the day of 9 11. and that they also they tried to hijack planes again when the airports reopened on september 13th which the bojinka plan also says it was also considered the 48 hours of terror so two days that they would they would say that they would try to you know blow up as many hijack high as many planes on one day and then the following days you know finish at it so you know that is definitely you know the uh, what what matters um, just figuring out i mean to that's part of the official story. I mean, it's not even part of the official story. They won't say 9-11 is from the Bojinka plot. They just say it may be inspired. I don't believe it's inspired. But why it's also important is is that, you know, at the same time, I'm not even saying that such a plan just started and, and, and became new. I think this is a plan that was also going on for a while, and we just got past a new version of it. The first phase of it being... The Pope, you know, that's that doesn't matter. I mean, that's just sequential to that's where they're at. I mean, that's just an objective there. Because he was because he because he was visiting the Philippines. Because yeah, he's, he's visiting the Philippines. But what really the Bojica really matters, if we forget what the FBI tells us or what Wikipedia tells us as far as that. Look at the Bojica really being about the flights, the amount of planes. 9-11 could not have been simply four planes. And then when when even KSM says like, you know, we could only have done, we couldn't have, you know, we thought about doing 10 planes, but we could only do four and we couldn't do, and we weren't going to do no explosives. Yet two of the, two of the planes are reported to have explosives by the phone calls. Right. So, yeah. So when you look at the Bojinka, you know, it's, it's tremendously important. And as I pointed out with, you know, the, with, with the 1993 World Trade Center bombing plot, if people are learning to look for their Israeli links, you know, you have to look at who Ramsey Youssef first entered the United States with. You have to look like you have to look like Ahmed Ajaj, who was uh, you know, who was uh, turned into a Mossad asset according to um, God. What's the author? Um, Peter Lance. Not Peter Lance. No, the, uh, the he died in, in 2001 too. Ironically, Friedman. Thomas. Thomas. Robert no Robert Friedman. Robert Friedman discovered from his from his contacts in the Mossad. He was Jewish, too. So you know, there's also that to look at, you know, and to consider. And and, and especially with Re, with Ramsay Re, himself, his he's half he's half Palestinian too. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, you have a lot of room to suggest what's something else going on there as far as that, but. The fact being, and, you know, this is where I got to give Adam Fitzgerald credit to, is that we, get, we discover in 2001 or 2002 that when the Bojica plot happened or when it was, when it was discovered and they went after everyone else and the Uncle KSM went away, uh, Robert Mendoza and the other Philippine authorities went and, went and found KSM's apartment he had in the Philippines and they discovered that they had there was evidence that ksm had just traveled the u.s and israel right. <laughs> so the bajinka i mean if we're going to go with that idea of where it starts there which i'm saying it does you know there's your there's your you know start looking in that sort of direction of how this could have been pulled off you know what's going on there and you know especially as we like to point out is that with k s m and then the pakistani side being anti iranian anti shiite you know that's you know that's israel's main enemy one of the you know main enemy there in the middle east so of course there is overlapping agenda regardless if they even say all this stuff you know and ramsey even when he got caught and you know uh he asked he asked specifically for a jewish lawyer one who wears a yamaka and all that so it's like it's not these people are not, you know, they're not uh they're educated people, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually
1: actually I think Ramzi Youssef actually went to the university of uh he went to Great Britain, actually studied electrical engineering. Um yeah. Osama bin Laden actually did, uh went to the university, I think King Fahd, Um and studied um uh, uh electrical engineering as well and as well as um business. Um I want to say, uh, a certain business, as, as, and he was highly educated. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed um, actually went to the University of North Carolina and um, studied engineering there. So, the, yeah, you, it's a good point to raise that these are not just like religious fundamentalists who are stupid. Uh, these are not Muslim men. These are, these are actually highly educated people um, who make decisions about attacking uh, the United States, and not because they hate our freedoms, but yeah, even Rez Yusuf has said later, that the reason why was because of our foreign policy, which is quite uh, detrimental to the Arab region itself. Um, and that was that was something that uh, the FBI actually, um, uh, Patrick Fitzgerald to, said to the 9-11 Commission, when uh, co-commissioner um, Lee Hamilton spoke to Patrick Fitzgerald saying, oh, why do they hate us? And why do they attack us? And Patrick Fitzgerald said specifically, um, the reason why is because of our uh, strong foreign policy to, the, to, to Israel itself. Now, this is also not a, con- um, a condemnation to Jews itself. And this is also uh, an argument that we both face um, almost uh, periodically, uh, that we're anti-Semitic or anti-Jewish, because we do bring up that there was some Israeli intelligence involved with something like 93 and 2001, but there actually was. Um, I could you bring just a I'm not going to go into detail here could you just bring up with especially with 93 uh there was an Israeli asset monitoring uh Mohammed Salome who references who are we talking about
0: oh, Mohammed Salome yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Well, well, well let me to- well the person I'm talking about is the Israeli uh spy that was involved
0: well before we go to Salome let okay. me, me let me just say one more other sure. other uh correlation or that correlation but you know, d- double double thing with 93 and 9-11. Right. Both were used to try to flame Iraq. That's yeah. the other irony, too. And people don't realize that. They don't know. They, they don't know about, uh, uh, you know, Abdul Rah- uh, Rahman Yassin, you know. Uh, he was busted the same day as Mohammed Salome. Oh, perfect. This actually goes together.
1: <laughs> but,
0: right. you know... Um, he you know salome didn't say anything you know but yasin did and uh he said everything he even explained where they went and made the bomb he saw he he well, he later on admitted in 2002 to 60 minutes but he was telling the fbi where they got the equipment and, and where everyone else lived because when they after the bombing when they figured out the uh, uh, the rider van and then also the stolen police report for the van and the other address that Salome left, you know, tracing it to Yassin, uh, that that you know, that became a whole other reason for them to try to try to implicate Iraq retroactively into ninety three after nine eleven, figuring like, well, hey, if they were a, a part of the first plot to bring down the towers, they still have to be in the the plot for the second time to strike the towers. So they were even trying to even use that aside separate from the weapons of mass destruction the anthrax and uh the meeting with prague with the iraqi officers or even even abu nadal ironically um but that i don't want to get into that much that much detail with that but that there is is even that going on um so yeah there's 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 the there's the the double there's the, the 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 uh I, I guess I don't know how I don't know how to explain it. But what were you saying about Salome? would you would you would well I'm, well,
1: well he actually brings up the uh the address that was linked to Josie Hadas.
0: Yes, well yes because yes correct and that's because of Yasin. I mean that's right. the same apartment. Right. I mean when they went to go look for for Josie Hadas the address they ran into Yasin who lives downstairs. Of course I don't know how the FBI were able to you know, start to question him or get or get uh, get a search warrant to look into that apartment, but apparently they did because they took Yasin to, Yasin to, 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 to there. But that was part of the new discovery I found out with the new by the new 1993 bombing film. When I started to realize, like, wait a minute, that's the tunnel Tunnel Avenue, that's the same freaking apartment, and he lives right above. So that's why they got you know. So you have to ask yourself. You know, and that's the point I put out in the film, if that apartment, if Ramzi Youssef was living there and so did Salome with Josie Hadass, you know, Ajaj would have been staying there if he hadn't fumbled at the JFK airport when he first brought Ramzi Youssef, And he was a Mossad asset. And then you have a Mossad spy. So they got a young Iraqi dupe downstairs. Already, Ramzi Yusuf's already convinced him because uses Yusuf, you know, he's he's really, he's, he's, he has that kind of persona, um, you know, um, telling him, i like, look, you know, look what America's done to your country already. Iraq, you know, even though Yassin himself is actually an American citizen because he was born in, in, in Michigan, but his family were all Iraqi and they moved away when he was still an infant. So he's still Iraqi, but legally he's still an American citizen. But, you know, Ramsey Yusuf telling them all that. Convincing him all of, of all that, and the funny thing is, is um, even though Ramsey Youssef was saying that, you know, uh, when he was uh, during his first interview uh, f- with Ragita Duram from I forget which Lebanese uh, Ahayat, uh, uh, newspaper, she's she's uh, uh, Ramsey Youssef when he's talking about um, you know what the U.S. has done, he doesn't he doesn't just crush. He doesn't just criticize our 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 our, our uh, relationship with Israel. He points out, you know, Hiroshima, what we did in World War II, Vietnam, um, you know, and then he even brings up, ironically, he even brings up Libya and Iraq. He says, "Look, you go to even go after the actual leaders there. You you go and kill all the innocent civilians and all that." Why don't you, basically, alluding to the, you know, I don't have a problem with you taking out uh, uh, Saddam. <laughs> Or Qaddafi, right. Right. <laughs> just don't kill the, those. Don't kill the innocent, you know, civilians. So what? What is? He, what is he working for? So you know that. You know that testimony was kind of kept hidden from people who were trying to push this Iraqi theory. In 1993, they weren't showing this interview with Ramsey. You and he revealed a lot about himself. You know, um, don't have all of it. Only parts of it are available. The interview, nice. but. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Interestingly
1: enough, it seems that with 93, there's a much in the way of similarities regarding 2001. And one is, is that the intelligence apparatuses, uh, foreign and domestic, seem to be right there from the start. And especially in 2001, we saw uh, the CIA, uh, the Israeli Mossad and the Saudi GID actually monitoring these people even years in advance. And with the NSA, um, even way years in advance. The NSA actually had um, a tap on the phone of the Ahmed al qaeda house, which is in Sana'a, Yemen, and that is the, the Al-Qaeda communications hub. And that started back in 1996. If you ask certain agencies, they think it was even earlier than that, but we'll take it from 96 onwards. So you have to wonder, with the CIA having a tap inside the house in 98, you have the NSA tapping the house in 96, and Bin Laden's satellite phone, going back to 1992, plus the Hamburg cell in the East Coast, New York, uh, Florida, uh, being followed by Israeli Mossad assets using uh, moving front companies such as Urban Moving System, which you always are talking about, classic international movers, max movers, and, of course, the Saudis' uh, intelligence division, the general intelligence division out west, who are actually given money to two hijackers, Khalid al-Medar and Nawaf al-Hazmi, which was coming from the bank account of one Haifa bin Faisal, who was using Riggs' bank account, directed to who? Bandar bin Sultan, the U.S. Saudi ambassador. Um, what would be your uh, peeve regarding, why do you think these foreign and domestic intelligence agencies had such a, um, a head start w- regarding these, terrorist operatives in what we see in 93, especially in 2001. And I think we both can agree, it's regarding maybe a mole inside the group or that they have intelligence relating to them from intelligence agencies regarding what was being, uh, what was constructing regarding these two instances.
0: Well, what was the question? Well,
1: yeah. the question would be, what are your thoughts regarding uh, the intelligence apparatuses? Uh, that are, that think, are there? Yeah, that are there.
0: You know i it, it, it,
1: now i've got i'm also i'm also almost like implying you to it to speculate as, as well too so.
0: yeah yeah it's it's hard to tell it's like yeah someone can make it a conspiracy like yeah they're they're just keeping these people quiet so they can go off and hit the us and there's some there's some us they are some straight up us insiders but there's also the other side which i tend to more agree that likely they. They think that these people are here just to train and become their, their, their future proxy forces to go in and uh, fight overseas. They're just here temporarily because this is where they can stay. You know, um, that's, that's, some, that's part of what I think maybe why they, they, they just look the other way, you know, uh, depending on who, because it's like, you know, if we're talking about Khalid Al-Madar and, and, and the Walfa Al-Hazmi, the flight 77 hijackers, you know, that sounds to me like, you know, just, they uh, you know the nsa you know not uh not notifying basically the cia and the cia not notifying you know the the fbi uh yeah there's something there's something going on there it's like you know why why didn't they you know um i don't think that they were allowing them in here because they were going to you know set up a training camp or whatever and then you know and then we would just, you know, use them somewhere else. I mean, these that does happen. We have, we've had these kinds of proxy groups here. I mean, we have military training schools where we're, you know, training uh, uh, Hispanic, uh, 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 you know, uh, basically to become dictators of other countries. They trained them in military school was called the right. school of Americas. You know, we have, we've had that, we've had that excuse. I mean, we, even in recent, even in recent, we discovered, you know, Libyan dissidents that the U S was, was, monitoring and taking care of here in the u.s because you know they were we were working them else elsewhere to you know hope try to overthrow qaddafi so so, you know there's there's that there's uh there was that going on here especially a lot of pakistani groups there was definitely a lot of pakistani presence here quite a while as well too you know so you know that's when in regards to like maybe these other these other operatives like you know we think that there were other operatives here involved in 9/11 that were still here during the 93 bombing. I mean there's there's the uh, 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 Marab, the one who lived back and forth between Canada. You know he was here since 1989 and they didn't catch him in 1993. How many times in Boston he lived in Chicago he lived in York he lived you know Florida he lived all next to all these operatives always driving cab access to airports you know uh why would they keep that but they obviously did because he was fighting sometimes he'd take off and go fight in chechnya sometimes you know or kosovo or bosnia i forget which ones i know he did chechnya or he actually even did maybe have actually done a little bit of afghanistan for what for what i know you know um that that would be could be their excuse but i mean but it's something to say just like with a like a person like nabil Arab, i mean they're already committing crimes why are they getting let go all the time you know what why would they why would they be letting khalid al-madar if they know he's a suspect of the uss call bombing you know oh just just so to elaborate for our listeners who's nabil marab by the way nabil marab is kuwaiti but syrian family so he takes syrian nationality apparently he was living here since 1989 he was caught after uh, right after 9 11 in the chicago area he ha- he met he was seen meeting with all the main hijackers all of them especially in canada he was making fake ids because his uncle owned uh, a photocopy place uh, that did printing or whatever. He was making them for all. For, I mean, Mohammed Atta, al- Marwan al I believe even Ziad al-Jar were seen with him in Canada. And then he would be met with even other Saudi operatives, even when he's, he was in the border. He was back and forth. He worked in Boston. He knew uh, operatives, I get his name, Kaj, the American-born Lebanese that ended up uh, uh, fighting in the Millennium Plot. One of them even died, I think, uh, Another one even died. I mean it's just ridiculous. The guy has as many connections as a, like same degree of connections as as uh Zacharias Massali. You can see so many you know, but you don't ever see that they actually ex- the, the Basali and Marab ever met, but my god they they're just surrounded by people that have all crossed and met you know and especially when you look at where Marab was at, Marab was in Chicago was in the north you know uh, the north northwest actually northwestern where he was caught which is basically where Basali was at you know but right. Marab i mean he was nuts i mean you look at the photo of mohammed atta and people think yo, he looked crazy i'm like no look at marab he looked, he looked crazy i mean it wouldn't even be gross speculation to even think that he may have been the real ringleader of it all and he you know that he was you know he was supposed to be at midpoint that he may have was supposed to hijack a flight from flight ninety from from the chicago airport because he actually had contact with other suspects that flew in late, which is another story. Right. So, you know, he was back and forth there. Uh, and he was connected with another another cell in Detroit as well, you know. Uh, it, this guy, and, and then what happened? Yeah, they caught this guy a day or two later after 9-11. They were already hunting for him because of, his name had to come up, I mean, with too many affiliations. But, you know, we don't hear anything about it. They, they keep his court case. Uh, is, they keep his case completely legally sealed so it cannot even intertwine or uh go into other you know it couldn't cross into most case or it couldn't it couldn't get involved in the case with the detroit sleeper cell you know it was completely quieted and the guys just let go a year and a half later and they just deport him (laughs) and apparently some some sources had said that they had flipped him they have the cia you know they flipped him But then he goes to Syria and he gets caught there like within like less than a a few weeks or a month. And he's been in jail in Syria ever since. And nobody knows anything about him. This this is almost similar to
1: uh, another uh, individual uh, regarding, um, well, regarding him inside the United States and having contacts. And somebody that we bring up uh, sometimes once in a while, Ali Mohammed. When yeah. he's inside the United States, he's actually in the Green Berets. But meanwhile, he's allowed to leave uh, gr- the Green Berets and actually conduct operations in Afghanistan and fight against the Soviets in 1979. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, 19. Uh, I think it was 1986 uh, he actually goes to Afghanistan. And supposedly he brings back a, um, a Soviet belt that he took off a commander. And, you know, you have people in the Green Berets who are actually – Florida. In fact, I think one of the uh, Lieutenant Generals, I think it's Frank Anderson, I'm, I'm probably going to be wrong about the first name, but it's something Anderson. And he actually complains about um, that Ali Muhammad is actually uh, uh, someone who works for the CIA because it would have to come from up top uh, in, in regards to the agencies that allow him to travel outside and conduct uh, in operations, uh, foreign wars. Uh, but he comes back inside the United States and he's actually, he, just like uh, Marab that you bring up, he has many contacts. Uh, he has contacts with Osama bin Laden, um, Omar Abdel Rahman, which is the Brooklyn cell in al um, which is connected to uh, the landmark plot, which I want to talk to you in a bit about that. Um, and yes, this guy's, and all of a sudden, he's actually arrested. And then you never hear from him again. Um, supposedly, he actually gives the FBI everything they wanted and the FBI complained to the CIA that yeah, he was a CIA agent and, and that they never told the FBI, and that's something that we see across with September eleventh, that they didn't share the information. And all of a sudden, do we ever hear from him again? No. We never hear from Ali Muhammad again, even to the present day. We don't even know where he is. We don't even oh, know if no. he was even sentenced for his role in the supposed
0: alleged role for the ninety eighties African bombing. He is the biggest thing, yeah. That's just that's where the real obstacle is at, you know. That's why we keep talking about the real answers to everything is really at 93. Even if we wanted to we talk, you know, even with prisoners, you have you have the supermax prison in Colorado, where, where luckily you do got a 9-11 as a conspirator. You've got right. Zacharias Massali there, but hell, you got everybody from 93, practically East Africa embassy bombing. I mean, dude, I mean, who are all. All these people, you know, who were they working for? And then, of course, the one that people are afraid to tie in together—the Oklahoma City bombing. Hmm. You know, and where's the what, What's the link relevant to that? Too many of them. But, still, but I'll nail it. I mean, but, but I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Mitchell Gray, the uh, person you interviewed, which I, I do recommend that anybody who's listening to this go back and listen to the interview that adam and and richard did uh of mitchell gray the author of i heard you were going on jihad um because he ha- his book is i recommend getting it because you're going to get a good summary history of what's going on there in oklahoma and the surrounding areas that actually relate to the 9-11 attacks. right? And it's well put out because it, it does include the activity of the 1993 World Trade Center bombers. I reference it in my film, you know, but it also gets to be OKC as well. Uh, you know, basically summarizing a lot of the stuff that was already written by Jaina Davis. Now, I don't agree with Jana Davis' full conclusion on the book. Her book is called The Third Terrorist. But I do recommend people do read it. Uh, regardless of, you know, I have issue with one of the sources she used, and there you, you can you can quickly figure out who it is, and you start to. Read it. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know she was just doing her best at being you know a Oklahoma girl you know uh, you know uh, she you know you know what she witnessed and what she dealt with there matters yes you know ultimately yes the John Doe number two Hussein al Husseini does matter uh, and what, the quickest link you see already with him to 9-11 is that you know, you know, he gets away with the Oklahoma City bombing. He gets busted maybe a little bit later for a DUI in Texas, but then he ends up going back to to, to, uh, Boston and ends up getting a job at Boston Logan Airport. And he was working there even up until the day of 9-11. He wasn't working there the day of, but still was employed there. I forget what kind of catering job or whatever he was doing exactly there. But Right up until that, up in, in 1998 and 97, he was having panic attacks at work, and he was, you know, he was told to go see a psychiatrist. You know, and we're talking about the late 90s. You know, the, the, there's the Millennium plot going right. on. There's still anthrax threats yeah, a, about, believe it uh, or not. There, there, there's dry runs that we don't hear about because they have right. that we know about them now. But there are dry runs going on in the airports already, or elsewhere, JFK, elsewhere. So there's, you know, the night. 90- 11 attacks were already working gets way out to happen on the millennium or right before so people need to understand that we just they just got us in 2001 but Hussein now Husseini you know he's he having these he's having these panic attacks he's told to go see a psychiatrist he's telling them he has all these problems and uh he says that if something happens at work I feel they're going to end up uh, blaming me Right, right. <laughs> you, know, in the, you know, it's a, a foreboding prediction. Uh, uh, and that's just that's just too much. You know, uh, when you see that already, uh, you know, separate from him being Iraqi, there's a lot of question of, you know, his character. I don't believe everything that Janet Davis lays out in the book about him. You know, I don't think he was serving Saddam. I think he was probably an anti-Iraqi, anti-Saddam Iraqi, uh, believe it or not. Uh But her research on the uh, the the person that employed Hussein al Husseini, the landlord, and all that—holy crap, that is very important. And that's one one of the great things that also Mitchell Gray also covered in his book too. Uh, But that's one link already you have going forward into 9/11. Backwards into 1993, you have Terry McNichols, who's who's taking periodic trips to Philippines. He's already bought has a. Philippine mail order wife, but um, you know he's in the same city as during when when Ramsey is still a fugitive and basically processing, working the Bojiko plot. Right. You know at the same time, so. The, the city of Cebu, city. city of Cebu, yeah right. exactly so so then there then there's also a cia asset named uh angels is his last name i forget edwin Angelus. edwin edwin angels edwin edwin yes edwin, yeah. yeah he he's confirmed that there was a meeting between somebody that we're calling on the farmer right. and Ramsey yusuf that they did so you know he was there like nine times you know and there's also uh apparently some people have talked to, to terry nichols uh congressman have and uh Apparently, he's willing to go on the record and say things that he he knows about all these attacks. Would that be Dana Rohrabacher? Dana Rohrabacher would be Roarberger. one of them. Yeah, it would be, yeah, okay. Dana Rohrabacher. So you have that connection um, going on there. And there's a bunch of other ones that uh, uh, Gray does re- uh, mention. But I think I'm forgetting what others. There's another one. I, well, there's, well, the thing is that with Oklahoma, you know, you know, even Abdullah Azam actually even spoke there. You know, when he was, uh, you know, right. uh, up until last year he was alive. So there was already it was already recruitments that are going on there for for Akhtam, I can't remember Kitty or or the other the other mosques that were there, um, all al, affiliated, al-, al Farouk, Al Farouk or, or Majid and uh, yeah, so Ma- Masjid, Masjid Al Salam, Masjid Al Salam, you know, and, and and then there's other people. um You know, tied in with, 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 uh, that were there that, uh, uh, you know, before Zacharias Mashawi showed up, you know, right, that are suspect that go back into that that time frame. I don't want to give it away because people need to read the book to see it, right. Um, but directly with the, you know, with the Oklahoma City bombing, you know, those are the, those are the, um, links that cross over, even though you have, have, you know, people were wondering, what was Timothy McVeigh? You know, what what's his? You know, well, look, they don't have John Doe number two. We know that McVeigh was lying. He even took credit for the whole thing. He he even said that Terry McNichols didn't have anything to do with it, and Terry McNichols has, has admitted guilt to it. <laughs> you know, you know. Why do you think he lied about that? Um. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of there's just too many speculation about that. And a lot of the speculation is really outlandish. You know, there's people who think he could have been mind control. I'm not going to I'm not going to like laugh at that. But, but, you know, maybe. But I don't I'm not convinced of it. I don't think, you know, like Jaina Davis thinks that maybe he was he became Islamic. I'm like, this is not Islamic. This is not like he's. You know, is he is he mad uh, about fighting in Iraq and uh, the desert storm because he was there? Yeah, it could be has something to do with that. And it it could be that he, he sympathizes with the you know what we did to Iraq. For all we know, I don't know, uh, but I think you know the fact that he was attracted to a lot of conspiracy theories. You know, even ones that are very harmonized with Alex Jones, <laughs> like like unbelievably. I mean, you know. There's actually, but, one, there's actually one conspiracy, if I can interrupt
1: just a bit. Uh, there's one conspiracy surrounding Timothy McVeigh I'd never heard of, but it was uh, uh, um, brought up by John Judge, the late John Judge. John Judge actually said in an interview back in 2000, and I want to say 2006, um, he actually states that, um, that maybe that the Department of Defense and the higher-ups uh, that were involved with Timothy McVeigh's handlers may have promised him that they weren't going to give him sodium pentol, and that they were just gonna knock him out and make believe that they did kill him. And that when the curtain came out that he would just be reeled out in the back and he'll be okay and hidden away forever somewhere in the United States or abroad. And I always thought that would be like a plausible scenario. Like they just gave him like, um, oh, I don't know, like a, some sedative and that yeah. he was just knocked out and killed. And according to John Judge, he says that some people in the uh, gallery that were watching his execution actually saw him move afterwards, but that could be too that, you know, the body twitches after his death. But like he says at the end, he goes, who knows with Timothy Tim McVeigh I agree, um, but who uh, knows? Oh, oh, I've,
0: I've, I've, inter- I've entertained, that theory too. You know, I, I've thought, you know, you know, maybe that's maybe, you know, uh, right. but, but what, 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 what was it with the, uh, there was something, Oh, that's right. You know, you know what made me even think about it too, is that, one of some of the prisoners that were with him in death row or a freak, or maybe not even death row, but up until at some point they were in jail with him. Um they had done an interview and I've even heard it I heard it on Infowars. I remember this. And they were saying that that's what Timothy McVeigh was saying that he was gonna they were gonna fake it all too. But it's like how do you trust me? You gonna trust the prisoner? <laughs> you right. know? I can't it's like it's not a really credible source. I mean of right. course the guy will but will say anything sensational Especially for getting ratings, and, and you know we you know Alex Jones is a fraud, anyways. You know, right? And he, you know he's he's destroyed that whole theory too because he just makes it oh, it's just a war on you, it's a war on you know Christian American conservatives and you know gun gun owners and da, 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 da. You know, uh, you know back back but but back with uh, McVeigh, you know, you know he he it does seem like also um, that he was maybe maybe also dabbling in really was into the whole neo nazi thing too that right. is also probably that's also possible too because i mean i mean i'm not i'm not against criticizing israel but it's like uh you know that that some of the things that he was getting into was was deemed as anti semitic
1: right
0: and the, the one of the things that I, I will say it and it was even mentioned in jana davis's book even though and there's more detail of it in michael colin piper's the judas goats right mcveigh wrote had an ad for some kind of weird flare gun thing in uh american free press oh no not american free press the spotlight magazine before it became american free press interesting that yeah and that so basically they had um you know he 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 was a reader he knew about that he knew about afp and Spotlight Magazine, you know, they always covered, they were always covering Israeli crimes, Jewish, you know, Jewish organized crime, a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff all all into that. So, you know, was he genuinely into that and basically, you know, colluded with these Arabs because they all saw the same enemy being Israel and Judaism, you know, that I think is very possible because, you know, the big question really needs to be is really at Andreas Straussmere. It's, you know, because then you have the whole Elohim City. And this is where people get pissed off with Jana Davis. She doesn't go into the the, uh, uh, the white national uh, Christian identity conspiracy, uh, you know. But it's worth looking at because, you know, uh, McVeigh did go there. McVeigh, that's McVeigh, proven fact that he had con- he had contact with Andrea Strauss right. The The compound Elohim City was basically, they were all associates and friends of uh, 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 John Snell uh, 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 or his first name may not be John but Richard Snell Richard Snell, the one who ended up being executed on the day of the bombing you know, who in 1983 was talking of a plot to attack the J.P. Murrah building <laughs> so that's not a coincidence you know, and McVeigh went around talking about, oh you guys watch you know, in, in, in 4, you know, 420 you know, April 4th, April 20th going to be a big day well for a long time they knew that's when richard snell was going to be uh, you know assassinated i'm not assassinated but executed so um that all matters because it's like what you know with the witness account from uh, uh my god what was her name the atf informant that was in the compound in the elohim city compound carol god carol Howe that's right. her name carol Howe she witnessed all this stuff from uh, Andreas Stratzmeier talking about blowing up buildings and all this stuff. And this guy is experiencing that because you know, he went to military you know, school or military academy in Hamburg, Germany. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, his father is a politician. I believe even, even uh, something to do with the city or actually the city police. Where is the Hamburg cell? <laughs> you, you, you know that with 9 11, so that you know that's 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 just a really weird connection. I mean, and then aside all that, for people who are looking for Israeli links into 1993, you know, possible links when you look at Andrea Straussmere for a neo Nazi, he certainly liked <laughs> having an Israeli girlfriend and learning Hebrew, <laughs> right? <laughs> because he was found with all that when he was living in England. Apparently, as well too, and he had traveled to Israel. So, and yes, the Israeli Mossad, Israeli intelligence, has been able to infiltrate Nazi groups. They've right. done it multiple times. It doesn't—it doesn't sound crazy, but it's you know they're able to get into the Arab fundamentalist world, right. you know, very easily. But so, also on the white side too. <laughs> sure, I mean uh, you know Christian fundamentalism, you know, <laughs> you right. want to call it that, you know, so. There, that, that's what people should you know look into, you know, right now.
1: Going back, I want to get I, I, told, I told I was going to get back to the um, the landmarks plot in 93. Now, this is a point of contention between people that we run into all the time. Um, that it was the FBI that built the bomb that was used <laughs> for the world, that was used for the World Trade Center. But the, the, the big mistake is that Imad Salem was not involved with the bombing of the World Trade Center because by that time the FBI had actually uh, kicked him out of the uh, um, being an informant. And there yeah. was a big, there was a big scandal involving um, Nancy Floyd, his handler, his FBI handler regarding that. And that's when they brought in um, Ramsey Youssef. It was actually Abdel Rahman who called Pakistan, who got in Ramsey Youssef. Now you extensive, you, do, you have done extensive work regarding the landmark plot. And this, and this is something that is absolutely ignored. Yeah. Okay, in regards to the truth movement. And, Can you explain what was the landmarks plot?
0: The landmark plot was the follow-up after the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, four months afterwards. Um, Basically, it was remaining members of the cell with Omar Abdel Rahman, who later ends up getting suspected of being involved with uh, the 1993 World Trade Center bombing uh, because a couple of the 93 bombing conspirators, Mohamed Salome, Mahmoud Abulina and uh God Nadel Ayad, you know, they were they were maybe not frequent, but they had a cat attended. Ramzi Yusuf and Ahmed Ajaz were different stories. But you have that going on. So, you know, when they when they brought, you know, they, they were obviously upset, uh, you know, uh, they wanted to get out get, get after these people. So yeah, they brought they brought Imad Salem Imad Salem to go back into infiltrating the cell you know and he ends up h- hooking up with siddiqui i forget what his last name is S- 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 siddiqui Siddiq ali siddiqui ali it was any sudanese or, or sudanese or uh, no you're right that's right he's sudanese there's, yeah. there's more there's more than what there's other right another sudanese the, involved too right. too yeah. but you know he ends up hooking up with them you know they're all, they all end up talking about building bombs you know um and you and know the, tar- the targets i think were the united nations yeah, the tar- the targets george washington, was united nations, george washington right, bridge right, united nations right. all the tunnels right. the federal building where the fbi right. was at right. even possibly even striking the twin towers again you know yeah. uh all the all this stuff but you know they ended up finally busting it you know the fbi gave imad salem a warehouse to you know basically entrapment you know truth right. entrapment thing but you know uh you know after after that, after the bust, you know, they end up not only also finding out that the blind sheikh's involved, mm-hmm. but so is, uh, so is uh, Rabbi Mark Ohana's killer, uh, um, El, El Saeed Nocer. No yeah. yeah, that's the big, most important one is really right. I, El Saeed no regardless if these people were in jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was in jail the entire time for all these crimes, but they were able to tie him. Everybody that was involved was going them and consulting with. Them. Even the landmark plot bombers you know um, so you know after that after the bust happens and when the uh, court case is being settled, then they end up finding out that you know the defense for the, the the blind shape for the 93 bombers and the landmark plot bombers ended up finding out that they had Imad Salem infiltrated the cell before the bombing of the world Trade Center. Then that's when it started to appear about the uh, the tapes, the tape recordings we did. And the problem is, is people, the truth movement, and, you know, through Alex Jones, you know, basically sensationalizing it and editing it in short snippets, he makes it almost appear that this is like a recording, like before the bombing or like like right after or in, or in, in direct communication with doing it, and it has nothing to do with it. It's basically, you know... When it comes to when Ahmad Salem left the FBI, it's kind of up to debate. It depends on what you want to believe what Salem said, or it depends if you want to believe what, uh, you know, uh, what, what uh, FBI agent John have said or others. Because, you know, uh, he said that, you know, they wanted to wear a wire. Some sources say he wanted more money. And he ended up getting that money after the 93 bombing. And, you know, he says he wasn't watching the cell when it happened. Some sources have said that, he may have still had a bird's eye view, you know. You have to kind of wonder, you know, uh, how did the Egyptian government end up finding out that they were going to bomb the World Trade Center bomb, that there was going to be attack on the US before it happened. I mean, Imad Salem, as you can clearly see in the History Channel uh, documentary, I mean, he was there, he was high ranking at one time, and he was there when they assassinated Sadat. you know, he's there like right next to, I mean, unfortunately it's a crisis, but he's there to forget who was the last Egyptian president, uh, Mumbar? Uh, no, oh no, God, what's his name? The last Egyptian president. G- Gamal Nasser?
1: Gamal Nasser, the
0: one, well, the last one, the one that was still, that took over. Oh, Hosni Mubarak. Mubarak. Hosni Mubarak, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> so, you know, he, he had to be pretty up there as far as his cool. an intelligence and yeah, he would want to be keeping an eye on the blind Sheikh anyway. I mean, if Ayman Zawari was 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 there instead, they would have been keeping an eye. He would have been there keeping an eye on him. Those were all the people that were responsible for you know setting the political climate up for the assassination of sadat So you know that you know regardless of what you know the FBI is you know doesn't want him watching the cell, he still has you know he still could be taking orders from the from Egypt still. You know, I'm not saying that it, that mean that it means that. Oh, that he still wasn't involved in making the bomb. No, then he wouldn't have Ramsey Yousef. You wouldn't have Hajjaj. And Hajjaj is the one that really matters. And when it comes down to it, he had the bombing news. He had the experience. Ramsey Yousef. This is only a learning. You know, a, a learning experience. because <laughs> he
1: because so, he, you know. he actually keeps in contact with a judge. During the first yeah. world, the first oh yeah, bombing. the
0: entire time they, yes. they were making they were making fun of the the fact that they gave him his manuals back while he was still in the INS jail. Right. Right. <laughs> they said, "What a joke you guys are, man! You guys are not, you know, you guys are not protecting yourselves." I you mean, a, a, right. the American system in general. He, they were making fun of it all the time.
1: <laughs> actually, act, it was actually the Immigration and Natural Services that gave back the bombing manuals back to yeah. the ultimate judge. Yeah, and they with, with, it, which, the, the one woman who actually was in charge, she actually was incredulous that the yes. decision was made to
0: give it back to him. We don't even have an ex- exact report or detail of where they finally apprehended Ajax because he apparently had just got out like right after the bombing. Right. So we don't even know where, But we don't know if he was picked up at the mosque or whatnot, but they certainly did want to trace him because they started tracing all of Ramsey Hughes' phone calls. And they were realizing, man, he called the fucking prison all the damn time, right. talking to jaws all the time. So, you know... All we know is that he did get out. He got out like it may have been a day or two. I mean, it, what what was it? It wasn't until March third until when they figured out the the the, the rider. I think you're right. That's the rider right. van. Right. Yeah. They, they, got a, got the right. van, they got the VIN number, right? Yeah, it may have been March third, March 4th when Ajaj had got out too. So we don't even know where they you know, where could did he go stay with that once he got out with, you know. I I don't know. That's a mystery, you know. But what's not a mystery is is that all the evidence, all the incriminating evidence, all his history, you know, and what he was doing. So well, we're going back talking about, uh, uh, Salem though, basically we're talking right. about, um, so yeah, you know, so that's why they had them there. You know, th- you know, th- th- they were there, you know, they didn't, they didn't have no need for Salem. So Salem comes back, you know, and, and then you find this, you know, these, this whole cell of other, you know, other ones involved, you know, um, people from Afghanistan, people from Sudan, Hispanics, there was even like uh, Puerto Rican converts or right. ones from, from Dominic Republic I believe may have been that were involved in the uh, uh, the uh, landmark plot. Yeah. So, Rodney hampton uh, Hill, I think. Uh, Rodney, Rodney hampton yeah. There's a weird connection with him. Right. And I, I don't want to give that away, but Mitchell Gray right. puts it in his book, which is really good. Good point. That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so people got the phone calls, you know, people got the, the I'm sorry, not the phone calls. So, you know, the, the conspiracy theorists got the, you know, the tape recordings. And, of course, the defense for the the landmark plot and the 93 bombers were trying to use that, yes, this is a conspiracy behind the FBI. So, you know, with them being involved. So what these conspiracy theorists don't know is that they're buying into a defense argument for the, for the fundamentalists, regardless what they they agree with them or not Um, but in the long run it didn't it didn't amount that didn't amount as as any evidence to prove that they were involved i mean completely i mean the completely opposite and it's just they don't understand that you know once they're paying him over a million dollars i mean i think it may may have been two million dollars i think it was two million dollars it was a lot of money a lot lot of of money it was a lot lot of of money. money it was a lot of money you know um you know he was still worried about uh, recording them, and and, and uh, you know with the lot, you know he had his problems with the with the suitcase they give him to try to record the blind sheet to, you know right right you know to, uh, to offer a bayat a bayat or or you know condone an attack you know and it's really not a very good job because it's like you know he's the one coming up with it you know we're gonna do this and do that we're gonna attack the UN and this and so, no 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 don't don't attack anywhere that will ruin a diplomatic. You know, diplomacy for the Muslims around the world. He says, "Go attack! You go attack! uh, uh, Arm, uh, 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 army army base, yeah, army base, or or, 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 what do you call it? In infirmaries, you know." He says, "Go attack that!" You know. Um, You know. So he was saying to fight it like militarily, like nobly. Right. You know. So it doesn't. You can't. You can't put him on the. You know. You know. Especially as like what we point out especially if these people were already under the control or under the guise or influence shall I say of El Said no mm-hmm. these guys were all rolling with them going to those shooting ranges back in 1989 mm-hmm. the blind sheep don't move until 1990 right. the the galveston <laughs> shooting range the galveston yeah. shooting yeah. range yeah the blind sheep don't move till 1990 right you know it's just like what i pointed out with you know uh, Abu halima you know, he got radicalized in Germany. He did get radicalized by the sheikh. right? That's right. So who, you know, who are we to say that it's just these, you know, the, these imams that are, you know, that that are that can be basically that are basically radicalizing or you know can be used by intelligence just uh, sure. to do what they're doing? But you know, who's to say it's only them? How many of them do you, th- you know, we shouldn't be naive and not think that there's. A lot of them do. Sure. <laughs> that there are other ones out there. Of course there is. We know there isn't, you know, even within goes on in the UK in recent with the with the guy with the with the one hand, uh, with the hook. Abu I, ha-
1: I think I think his name is
0: Abu Hamza. Yeah, Hamzu yeah. Hamza right. with the yeah. y- Bible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know. There's all kinds of those people. Oh you know. sure. Yeah. And and
1: just to clarify too, about Almagdal Rahman, and you talk about the intelligence apparatuses uh that were involved in these uh cells. In, in 1989, he goes to um, a U.S. embassy in Egypt, in Cairo, Egypt, and it was monitored by the CIA. And actually, it was a CIA case officer dressed as an embassy officer who actually um, handles the applications for Abdul Rahman who was trying to get a dual entry visa, and he, and he actually approves of the visa. And meanwhile, mm. it's a CIA case officer, and not just once, but four times. Um, he approves of the application, and all this while Rahman is under a terrorist watch list. Now, that, if that sounds familiar uh, to the listener, that's what happened to J. Michael Springman, who was handling the visa applications of certain hijackers yeah. that were involved with the September 11 attacks. He actually suspended those applications, but he was overridden by his superior, Shonda Steiger, who later had an affiliation with the CIA itself. Um, and that's how they became involved with the September 11 attacks. Meanwhile, you know people like uh, Springman who actually, um, a poor guy, is actually trying to do his job, he's overridden. Meanwhile, with with Rahman, he's actually given his uh, US visa by the CIA, basically, and their their result was we didn't know he was on the watch list. I mean, you know, you 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 take it where you want to will, but yeah, uh, exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. All right. Fast forward, we're here, September eleventh, two thousand one. We're finally here. Um, American Airlines 11 slams into the North Tower, United Airlines Flight 175 into the South, United uh, American Airlines 77 into the Pentagon, United Airlines Flight 93 crashes in Somerset County, Shanksville. But that's not the whole story, is it? Uh, There are many anomalies that you cover many times. And one of them is a, a film that I really like. It's basically a very obscure anomaly which you hinted on regarding the extension of the Bajinka plot, the 48 Hours of Terror, which was right. now many people know about the nickname to it. The thwarted hijackings of 9-11, 9-13. This is a story that is sorely underreported. and is so important as to how 9-11 was supposed to be, as you just said previously, a much bigger operation. Can you just elaborate on what was going on on September 13th
0: Well, well, with September 13th, uh, 2001, uh, when airports started to reopen uh, after the FAA's um, no-fly ban that was also, you know, uh, put on by the Department of Transportation, by around noon, well, some of the depending on which airports, uh, but by around noon, JFK started to get reports of. Weird suspicious activities, people even threatening to have a bomb on them. <laughs> right. And then it had escalated into the airport being shut down a few hours later with people disguised in airport uniforms and some suspects being on board an American Airlines flight about to depart. And it wasn't just reported at that New York airport, but it was also reported at LaGuardia airport where there were six other people and same situation where they were at least trying to uh, board a flight and found with suspicious uh, items, weapons as well. Uh, for another flight, I forget which flight, it may have been flight 299. Um, so the airports ended up shutting down because uh, there was the, there was the uh, uh, threat started to, uh, well, people started thinking that there were going to be more hijacking attempts again. Right. And it it didn't seem like it was just going to be one one plane. I mean, there was potentially enough people to do two planes, possibly. Right. Um, And um, this is, you know, this also happened somewhat in Miami as well. There's one also rare report that came around Came out late in the morning, in after uh, early morning, 9 14, late evening, 9 13, September um, 13th. That you know, there, there was a uh, people arrested fleeing the restroom, changing Middle Eastern people, changing into their flight garment in the restroom, and then fleeing when you know airport security got there, in there and they ended up being arrested. You know, we don't know what's. We obviously, we don't have a flight to pin them on, but they're there as an operative to do something to make something happen. <laughs> um, yeah, there was the potential for these for more planes to be hijacked the days the days afterwards, and there were other reports of weapons being found on other on other planes left over, other hijack, other other, um, you know, other other airports. But the real strongest point, the really where you see this really happens is not necessarily noticing the second day or the, the, the night, September 13th, two days after. It's really when you look at the day of 9-11. And this is something I hadn't even cover in my film, but I'm going to cover in a new, a new version. But regarding back to JFK Airport, what you have is a fifth plane that almost got hijacked And we know about it because we've even seen interviews from the co-pilot on the plane that there was uh, three Middle Eastern men that were about to uh, that were extremely mad when we weren't taking off uh, when the plane wasn't taking off while flights had just been grounded because of uh, because. Flight 175 had just struck the World, World Trade Center.
1: You're talking so, about by, by just so you're talking about United Airlines Flight 23.
0: Yes, United Airlines Flight 23 at JFK Airport on 9/11. It's called the Fifth Plane. It's mm-hmm. you can search Google search and you'll, you'll come, it usually comes up with it. But there are more than there are more Fifth Planes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, um, yeah, um, this flight was about to tax was about to take off. Was in line to take off. So once they were once they uh, once the uh, pilots got the word that no no one's taking off, you know, these Middle Eastern men got upset, were raising hell, pounding on the doors, you know, uh, basically basically unruly. And then when they got a taxi back to the runway, they, you know, obviously create uh, causing the scene. They left. They met with one other person somewhere down the ways and then all of them just left the airport never to be found again. So they said, but right. these people came back on September 13th. They were the same people that were caught two days later on September 13th. Uh, may have been dressed in uniforms, may have been trying to hijack a different flight, but these, pe- these people, what I'm saying is, is that there were attempts on the day of nine 11 and when they did not succeed, um, they tried out it again on some cases. Uh, but there are some cases on 9-11 where the hijacking may have been actually aborted, where maybe not all the operatives were on board, maybe some chickened out, maybe some ran into technical difficulties, maybe they couldn't get on flight, maybe they couldn't get the weapons on board, maybe they, you know, there is a whole bunch of potentials. But it's not just JFK Airport, and there may have been another, there may have been another flight at JFK Airport too. It could have been two planes. When you go to look at Boston Logan, and this one I'm gonna cover much more in depth in my film, there is Delta 1989. This flight was actually, was even flying at one point right next to flight 93 going, and it ended up landing in, in Ohio, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, and it ended up being grounded. And conspiracy theorists tried to use, tried to use this excuse as that that was actually flight 93 that right. landed, that it wasn't Delta in 1989. No, Delta in 1889 did land. It did board Boston Logan the same time as the uh, flight 11-175, all, de- all with its departure with, with its, to, to arrive in LA. But when it did land, there were to at least two Middle Eastern suspects on the flight reported to be, be acting very suspicious even the universe even passengers interviewed that were saying that these men before even takeoff they they couldn't sit down they were constantly looking out the windows like they were impatiently waiting for someone so yeah it is a situation where some of the other operators may have chickened out sure but it was a plane, a plane that was potentially targeted, especially when you look at why why you don't have uh cameras from Do- from from, uh, from Boston logan airport right you know and that's not the only flight. There is another American Airlines flight, Flight 43 at Boston Logan. Men left hurriedly afterwards because the plane was actually had some sort of, luckily had malfunction, and was delayed. And it was delayed long enough until the no-fly ban came on. Then these guys left. So you have the potential of four planes, not, not potential, you have confirmed two planes, right. but the potential that they wanted to use four planes out of there to launch. And there is even a fifth one. And the fifth one, I will tell you, because I'm going to just nail it off. There could have even been five, but they chickened out because this fifth plane, which was headed to Seattle, I believe, had a boatload of U S Marines on there. (laughs) Big U (laughs) S Marines. Right. So, you know, if you're going to be a crew of four or five, you know, hijackers, you ain't going to, you ain't going to survive shit. You ain't taking over a plane full of a bunch of fucking Marines. And they said it was targeted. And I had the report. The reason why they know this flight was targeted is that it's also on the list with the names found in the rental car at Boston Logan. So there's right. even extra, that's why we haven't released this, released this list. It's not just a list of 50 other, other names that they, that, you know, cause it's only 19 hijackers supposedly. There is supposed to be a list of, you know, of, of flights that are gonna be, you know, Right going to be used and this this is one other flight i forget the flight number it 's an American airlines flight or united airlines flight that's i, I think that 's what it is, but yeah, you had the potential there you know go go into go go into Dulles airport yeah there is there is a very not a very good detailed report but there's a report of a plane in Washington where middle eastern men had left the flight hurriedly when it was cancelled because of the no fly ban go to go to uh Go to um, um, God. What's the next airport? Newark Airport in no New work. Jersey, where Flight 93 took off. Of there is also American Airlines 1776, not 1776, 1726. This was a plane that had two Pakistanis, Ozmath Ayub Khan. No, no, no. The Mohammed Ozmath and Ayub Khan. I forget their full names. These guys were found with. <laughs> These guys lived in the neighborhood of, of, the, of where the 93 World Trade Center bombing conspirators had lived at, right near the mosque, the same neighborhood. You know, they were found with all this incriminating stuff. Uh, their, their plane landed. There was only two of them. It, right. it could have been a situation, like I said saying, about Delta 1989. Maybe their other, you know, other conspirators backed out, chickened out. Another reason why you don't have security cameras from Newark Airport. Right. <laughs> you know so there may have been more planes at newark airport there but i mean th- that's a whole other story those guys end up being caught in texas because they ended up getting uh ground grounded in uh michigan i forget where and then they end up joining, jumping on a plane and then texas cops noticed them the day today acting really really weird or arguing with each other actually found all this you know, incriminating evidence, even and box cutters. Right, box cutters. Box, box cutters, ironically. Right, right, and that's the narrative. They, right. they, used, they used their report right. to solidify Flight 77 having a box cutter, right. therefore making all three planes have box cutters, which is right. bullshit. Right. But these guys had hair dye. Hair dye was also reported to be found in the rental car at Logan or the rental car in Portland, Maine. One of the two. I forget which one. So, you know, they, they, but their bodies were shaved. So yeah. some of these some of these uh, uh, commands Islamic commands or what they were supposed to do said that they were going to shave their own bo- their bodies and so the know, perfume on I think
1: perfume on and all, and all right, that right.
0: so they, I mean I mean they, they, they said that they were they, that one of their rendezvous points maybe a person to contact was another suspect which I won't get into It's in Texas Dr Baydar. it's a whole other a whole other story so yeah you know there's another plane and look it goes to Miami you know. Atlanta, there was reports. Right. There's even, you know, there's even reports of a couple others in the new Northwest. Chicago, as we already talked about with Nabil Marab, the, 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 uh, the, the, the uh, um, Kuwaiti right. of Syrian descent, the one who's been right. here from 1989, the, the one I think that could be the real ringleader. Mm-hmm. You know, he's there in Chicago. Then you have LA, San Francisco. Right. Yes, there's even, there's even cases, there's even San Diego, I even believe. It could have been nuts. It could have been twelve. It could have been twenty planes. Why, sure. Well, I think it was. I think they wanted to do well more than twenty planes. They had they had all the manpower here, so that's why it's really crucial and important to revisit the dragnet. Look at how many people were arrested. Look at the uh, uh, inspector general's off, uh, the Office of Inspector General's list of INS detainees. Related to the September 11th investigation, what you will find there, aside for hundreds of hundreds right. of Israelis, you will find, you know, a list of 700 plus people, all Middle Eastern, all of them. These people were all suspects. Some of these people stayed in jail for years. Some of them ended up being like cases like the Bill For all we know, right, sure. But this, these were these were all scattered throughout all the major cities, major areas. These were all different cells. They're already. They're all a potential plane or potential bombing. I, I still don't discount right. that there could have been vehicle bombings. I'm sure there was. You know, I'm sure there was other plans. Even maybe even poisoning water, like what the what the warnings were after 9/11. Look at the chaos and the crisis after 9/11. Don't focus on the World Trade Center. It's not going to take you right. anywhere. Right. <laughs> and o- and also one,
1: one anomaly also you're familiar with too, and you're probably the only person that ever brings it up, is the three Qatari men. Uh, that that backed out. Yeah. Uh, the eve of the attacks, no less.
0: Yeah, they could have been taking a the flight. They may have been doing a flight from Dulles, but they could have been doing a flight from Maryland. We right. you know they already compromised Maryland. Uh, but Mohammed Ada was reported by another Delta flight to to ride a jump seat from 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 Maryland to Florida. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know. So they had the, Of course, they wanted to hit DC as many places, parts as they can, and the CIA headquarters. They wanted to strike it all of it nuclear power facility sure you know the pennsylvania airports you know i mean it sounds like i mean i mean to some people are like well it sounds like you're getting into the hysteria of like what people people were freaked out afterwards after 9 11. yes right (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) you should be because it wasn't attack you know we all could have been targets you know Uh, and 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 yeah that's that's what i mean some of the reactions was wrong obviously all the hate crimes and people you know right. destroying muslim struck you know muslim neighborhoods arab communities all that of course but you got to think twice about it now obviously the you know obviously the administration was ready to react and they already had their you know their scope on osama bin laden in afghanistan but you know we should have had a proper investigation. That is where the real investigation was. Sure. And that is the in, that's the in, investigation that is incomplete.
1: <laughs> you right.
0: Know, you know. So if we don't look at that, we're not. You're not going to get any. We're never going to get anywhere regarding 9/11. And we're going to be. And we're making ourselves sitting ducks. Absolutely. Yeah. The conspiracy theories, conspiracy, the mainstream conspiracy theories, are not protecting you. Sorry, not at all. Doing the b- absolute backwards. Endangering you. That's and, endangering point. your mental health, too. <laughs> right. That's and, uh, another good point. Another
1: yeah. ano- another anomaly, actually. And yeah. this, is the ju- this is the juicy anomaly um, that, tr- that uh, certain people in the truth movement tend to throw away when they say there's no hijackers or fake phone calls. I think you might know where I'm going with this. And it ties in all the way back to a point I raised earlier with you. Um, United Airlines Flight 93. And... Uh, very few people such as yourself, uh, Ryan Dawson has brought this up once in a while, um, regarding the number of the phone calls that were made on that plane, um, all contradict the narrative by the FBI pent bomb investigation and the 9-11 commission report stating that there were four hijackers in the plane. Well, six phone calls were made that all six specifically state that there were three. Now, three of those phone calls, one of them from Jerry Glick, and the other one for flight attendant, I think, Sandra Bradshaw, states that all three men were dark-skinned males. Yep. And this is something that you brought up earlier. Now, this would imply, now, of course, this is speculation. We both uh, admit, admit to this, that Z.R. Jarrah never got on the plane. Yeah. And I, I, this is something that I, I, I think didn't happen. Like, he didn't get on the plane. Um, record, regarding the, the cockpit voice recorder, which is important, because it was played once, and it was played for the victim's family during the Zachary Moussaoui trial, in which there were two people in the cockpit, one guy outside the door, who was wearing a bomb belt, something that you mentioned earlier. Um, regarding what was being said in the cockpit, there was a person sitting next to the pilot, and he was saying him by his name, you referenced it earlier, Saeed. Said up down the plane, Said up down. Well, there, yeah. was a, there was a hijacker. His name was Saeed al Gandhi. Why was he flying the plane? Okay, now this is important because this is an anomaly that's thrown away by people who are obviously people who are also incidentally people who blame Israel for the attacks of 9/11. Well, yeah. here you go. Now here's a great leeway into suggesting that not only maybe Israel intelligence may have had foreknowledge, but here's a where there's smoke there's fire. Here's maybe a link into having an Israeli operative inside the Hamburg cell, all the way from the start of inception, right? Now, I'm not saying, and you're not saying, that Ziad Jarrah is an Israeli operative. We don't have no evidence for this. But what we're saying is that his family, especially when you look in the background, some people that you mentioned earlier,
0: that were involved with Israeli operatives. Who am I talking about, Nelson? talking about his older cousin, Ali Jarrah, uh, who was found to be a Mossad spy for 25 years? He had tipped off uh, quite a few high-profile uh, 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 targets. There was also a younger uh, cousin named Yusuf Al Jar, who was also caught the same time as Ali Al Jar. But Ali Al Jar's um, his his uh, his use for the Mossad was very very was very very beneficial. He t- he targeted the assassination. In 1995, of the uh, Palestinian jihad is it Palestinian jihad or uh, Imad think. No, not no. Well, it was not Hezbollah, yet, but the right. but the, the Palestinian. But that, oh, uh, right. The Palestinian his name? Jihad,
1: Palestinian jihad organization,
0: I think. EJ. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. It was in 95 right. in Mal, in the island of Malta. Ironically, right. that's right. <laughs> and right. Uh, 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 God, I forget what his name was, but yeah, he was he was an upcoming figure in that whole in that whole thing you know but then you know yeah when he w- when Ali al jar Ziajar's cousin is caught you know he'd already served as you know uh giving tipping off for the assassination of Imad Mugniya, the one of the key founders right. of Hezbollah yeah. i mean they, you know they they even tried even speculating that he was involved with 9/11 in the beginning at least CNN tried to That's right That's you know right. uh but you know he was involved with uh yeah some bombings that went on but in Lebanon, uh, with the uh, they say with the barracks bombing and uh, other events. Well, he also did hijackings too. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, but uh, that was all in the early '80s, and he changed his ID. He changed his identity. He even went through plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was a you know it was a hard thing to find. And then he also tipped off uh, Ali Jar also tipped off uh, the assassination for Assad's uh, Syrian nuclear arms procu- procure uh, Mohammed Suleiman. And, uh, that, that, was also the same year. So that's how much, you know, much there's, you know, there's the tie in there of of how useful of a, you know, a Mossad spy or asset he was. But, but then there is the uncle of Ziad Jarar. Asim Jarar is his name. Actually, they found his, uh, uh, they found a business card of his in the flight 93 debris right it's actually how i ended up researching about him because i didn't know i didn't i didn't watch the hamburg cell movie i didn't you know didn't know everything about you know right but in the hamburg cell movie it, 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 his uncle's actually partially portrayed in there but his uncle you know aside that he already moved to germany in 1982 or 83 you know taking being a medical, you know it's somewhere involved in the medical industry or I, i'm not sure I, I think it's pharmaceuticals i don't think he is even a doctor he went to learn to be a doctor but he was there but he served as a stasi uh spy uh and he is also serving for his for his Libyan intelligence uh at one point but this is also before the wall came down because the wall the, the wall comes down in 88 so things change there's no more stasi you know uh, but he still is ends up being a german intelligence asset even after that but this whole point you know he was even uh uh, aside that you know he was working for libyan intelligence and then also stasi he was also spying for the communist party of israel and what he was assigned to doing, he was looking he was spying on college students uh ones that uh, mostly libyan college students now That's very much, I mean, you might as well be spying for the Mossad at that point. I mean, there's, that's definitely going to let, you know, Israel is very tight, you know, you know, no intelligence gets out. You can't really get in there and cover any stories and, you know, criticizing Israel. It's just, you know, it is a, a, you know, a a, uh, Orwellian nightmare in that, you know, in that aspect. So, uh, you know, to me, I would, I would suggest that. You know basically that yeah there is a bit a bit, there is a Mossad or Israeli handle on this guy already, you know, just from that, but also the more interesting thing about him is that as an asset and it says on his stasi card on his on his card that he was also a member of the Abu Nadal organization mm-hmm. now that's a whole other story, and I'm just not going to get into that, but I do recommend readers to to read the book by Patrick Seale um, called The Hired Gun. Isn't it The Hired Gun?
1: I think, I think you're right. I, yeah. I, I'll actually look. A it gun up. for
0: hire. Gun for hire. A gun for hire, that's right. Yeah, gun for hire. If you want to know how important he is, read that book. That's all I'm going to say, um, because you're missing a, you know, a real big piece of history out of all of this. Um, so yeah, you look at the to Ziad al Jar, uh, yeah, there is quite a bit of, you know, uh, I mean, aside Israeli intelligence, a lot of Western intelligence ties in. and then even going back to Ali al Jar, the cousin, you know, um, you know he, I believe he also had passports from different countries too, so he traveled. Quite a bit, you know. These people spoke French. They speak French. They speak. Ziad Jar spoke like four languages. Yes, you know. Yeah. So there, there's even the potential of these people even working for French intelligence as well. I'm just putting that out there. You never know, <laughs> you, you, you know. So they, cro- um, they like they cross intersect these agents. Yeah, they they do they do yeah. yeah. So so um, yeah um, yeah that's that's you know that's a, that's a really important part. That's a really huge. Huge uh, uh thing that's missing, you know, especially with those who just want to look for Israeli or Jewish, you know, links. You know, it's we can even get into we could get into if we want right, to sure. too, but right. but I'm
1: not gonna thing, and you know the reason why I brought that up is because we 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 are inundated with people in the truth movement who love to blame Israel for everything under the sun. And but the yeah. irony is that in their position regarding no planes and no hijackers or no phone calls is that they throw away great evidence especially just for 93 alone Jeez. showing that showing that there might have been you know israeli intelligence that were that a mole could have could have uh, been involved with the hamburg cell right from right from the inception now yeah. if you and i i wrote an article and you you've done many videos regarding about Ziad jarrah and you know how he grew up. He was a secularist. His family was well-to-do. Um, he wasn't born, raised a religious person or a fanatic. And in my interview, yes, there were parallax views. Um, I actually brought up the the notion that um, Zia Jara actually was never uh, uh, brought up with religion at all. But when he moves to Germany, almost immediately, he's involved with one of the most notorious um, mosques in all of Germany called uh, Al Quds. And it was headed by Mohammed Fazizi, who's an actual known Hamas supporter and actually one of the most blatant Wahhabi, Salafi uh, imams in the entire country. So he didn't, go, he didn't have like this evolution. He yeah. almost like immediately goes right to the mosque and involves himself with fanatics right there. And of course, he's never seen by German intelligence with Muhammad Atta, Ramzi bin al shib Marwan al shahi to have, you know, the other members of Hamburg, so Zia Jara always lives alone. And he's always alone, even inside the United States. He's never living with Atta, he's never living with Malin and there's only one video out there showing Zia and Muhammad Atta, and that's with the video with no sound, With when he sits with Muhammad Atta, um, and they're reading from a pamphlet, and it said it actually is. The video found at Tarnak Farms? Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. And, and I think you know about this video because I think you spoke about it too. And, uh, and unfortunately, you're like one of the very few people that bring it up where they're shooting his video will, Zia Jara, and he's laughing in it. He came and po- pose as a great, like as a stout uh, religious uh, martyr, uh, fanatic. Uh, meanwhile, there's other video wills of other hijackers where they're, you know, they're dead serious. Zia can came and played the part. So (laughs) that that's more than I'm just saying, you know. Just interestingly enough, um, but you know there are other anomalies I could bring up with September 11th um, with you. But um, you know we're coming up on two hours now. If for for you personally, if you could recommend some books that for the listener to read, what books would you suggest?
0: Well, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna definitely always you know reference Michael Collins Piper's books, but I'm you know I'm not I'm only gonna say say when sticking to this subject you only need two, you need Judas the Judas Goat, um, and also the one of the other books False Flag Template for Terror. I would recommend also reading even even any of Peter Lance's books on 9/11. He's got three of them. Yes, Th- you know A Thousand Years of Revenge. God, I can't even think of the other one. The one with the Commission Report cover. And then the one about Ali, Ali, uh, um, uh, Ali Mohammed, that the... the Oh, uh, uh, Triple Cross. Triple Cross. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would recommend reading Mitchell Gray's book. I would recommend... Right. Um, you know, I would recommend looking at the official stuff, looking at some of the conspiracy stuff, but my God, there's hardly any good conspiracy stuff to read, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, barely, I mean, I've read even like... Uh, who did I read? What's his, what's his name? Uh, God, with the the, the star and the cross. Who wrote that? Um, oh, that, that, you're t- uh, yes. Um, Wayne Madsen. Wayne Madsen, right. right. You know, it's like, Wayne, it's actually a good book, but he doesn't do it. He, honestly, he doesn't do enough Saudi stuff. And, you know, the guy's, the guy's still a, a you know, a Pentagon no planer, you know? Um, that's what gets me. I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't, you know, um, God, uh, I'm trying, trying to think what else you know there's there's quite a, I mean I look I been mean, look at the 93 bombing stuff look for any books even basic books on the 1993 World Trade Center bombing compare them all there's small books on them they all have there's you know they all have different details and different conclusions even on some of them on some suspects you know um yeah and,
1: you, know, you, know, what, you know just to also add to um who are the primary influences of your life going down this road regarding September 11th?
0: I mean, I'm going to say Piper. I mean, I had, I mean, I had a lot of you know people before, but they all become misleaders. They're all, you know, right, so. all, you know, uh, you know, they all uh, garbage. I mean, you know, I had read a little bit of, you know, David Ray Griffin's book a long time ago. The guy's garbage. The guy believes, you know, things are fake phone calls. You know, it's still nanothermite, you know, it's just still just a focus on that. Um, there's very few this is why I want to write books it's it's,
1: unful- it's unfortunate that we can't even come up with a handful of people
0: no no i, I mean i would just you. it's unfortunate you know I, I just tell people don't don't necessarily just focus you know reading on 911 read read you know read the books on OKC bombing read right. the books on the 93 bombing read about iran contra what was going on then you know there there is something i will i will add i, I forgot to mention about the sure. jacob plot at uh, Bojinka plot, when it was discovered in the Philippines, the other thing, not to forget going on, you know, as it being the phase of 12 hijackings or or 12 plane bombings and 12, you know, 12 hijackings, you know, the idea was to really bring us 12 Pan Am 103s, you know, because that was the big scare of terrorism back then. Right. Because people don't realize, we don't realize it because we were young. I mean, I know myself, when that had happened, you know, uh, you know, people were freaked out. Yeah, yeah, you're freaked out about you know, uh, you know, some Arabs taking over your plane with a gun or knife or whatever. How about you are just, you know, flying out of nowhere, you know, thousands of feet in the sky, and then boom, you're, you know, blown out and you're, you know, falling to your death. Right. You know, that's what happened at Pan Am 103. It was a, <clears throat> it was a horrible, horrible incident, especially, you know, it happening in December of '88, two days before, two three days before Christmas. Right. But point being is is that you know that's that's what the Bochica plot was, was to start to bring that, you know, to turn that terror a dozen times into effect, you know? And the other, the reason why it's also, you know, important to point that out, because according to CIA, Terry McDermott, um, he, interviewing people in the Philippines, he had noticed that uh, KSM would part, would bring his girls and they would party and they would celebrate the bombing of Pan Am 103. Huh, it's really? like why would they be doing that?
1: <laughs> why sure. would
0: they be you know that's that's supposed to be Libyan Airlines pilots that did it right. Right? if you believe it, sure you think he
1: you think he may have gotten the idea from pan Am one hundred three
0: maybe it's maybe it's part of the same F evolving network that really did was involved, sure, you know loosely, even though we're. You know, we're talking, you know, seven, eight years already after the fact. I mean, it would definitely be an inspiration already, but maybe it's, maybe it's something mutating. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, Nelson, I'm going to wrap it up here, but I'll I'll, I'll let you have the last word. Um, Where can people reach you and find your information?
0: Well, you can check my blog. I have a blog on WordPress called 9-11 skeptics versus truth. It's 9-11 Skeptics, V-S, periods, truth. I've only got a few articles written there. I even got one hosted by, uh, maybe even two by Adam, uh, hosted on there. Um, You know, uh, some of that stuff I may even try to work into a book because some of them are very long articles. My main way, you know, you can reach me through Twitter, Thermal Detonator or DJ Thermal Detonator. You should be able to find me on there pretty quick. The other, you know, the the, the most traction I really get is mostly on uh, YouTube. With my YouTube channel Truther TV, I also have a second channel called Truther Archives, but it's just mostly news clips and other people's other, you know, professional, uh, you know, mainstream programs. Okay, I think. I'll, oh, by the way, I just want you think about writing a book, are you?
1: Oh yeah, still to that, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm still. I mean, I'm still, you know, writing things, collecting things as, as they go. You know, it's kind of easy when you're already kind of working on film scripts already, at least. Sure. You know, I, I, I even get a bird's eye view of where I want to write a book anyways, too, of where, you know, where I need to find information as well. So,
1: well, you're more than qualified to write a book and I would definitely be your first reader on it. So Nelson, Absolutely. listen, listen, thanks. Thanks a ton for doing this interview. Thank you very much.
0: No no problem. I enjoyed it.
1: Thank you. And um, we'll see you on the next episode of The Darkened Hour.